Playing with Velvet Tom. And now, your host, with really bad timing, Velvet Tom. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good whenever you're listening to this. This is Bad Timing with Velvet Tom. I'm your host, lover, loser, legend, Velvet Tom. I'm happy to be here for episode 14 with my guest, Matt Forbes. Matt Forbes is a recording artist. He is an actor. He is a voice savant. You'll hear it later. We do. We get into, I wouldn't even say dueling. I think it was just more celebrating celebrity impersonations. So listen to this episode because there is, it's packed full of wonderful information. It's just two dudes geeking out on the things they love the most, which is being crooners, singing. So stay tuned for this episode. Hey, new listeners and regular fans, my Velveteers, if you haven't yet, go ahead and open up that browser tab and go to velvettom.com, which is Velvet Central. Everything you need to know about yours truly, Velvet Tom, and most of it's on the homepage. Really, you can look at the site, but, you know, it's just whatever. But really, everything you need is right there on the homepage, the most recent episode of this podcast, plus all the links to my social media. You can go to my Facebook. You can go to my Instagram. Love for you to be a subscriber on YouTube. Nothing more than I would love is that you clicking around on my junk. So go check it out. Uh, also, send me a message. Let me know what you're doing. Velvet Tom, I mostly get spam from people who want me to optimize my SEO, which I don't know what that is. I don't really care, but also there's booking information. The holidays are here. Book me for your Zoom-tastic holiday extravaganza. I cannot wait. I am looking so forward to this holiday season, so much so that after I get done recording this intro, I'm going to go decorate my very first Christmas tree with my wife. That's right. It's our first married Christmas. Lots of first marrieds, dot, dot, dot. And it was going to happen whether COVID was going to happen or not. So that's how excited I am. I love Christmas. I, You know what? I just like holidays. Valentine's Day makes me a little nervous because it puts a lot of pressure on. But Halloween, Thanksgiving, I cooked. Boy, did I cook. I mean, my wife was there. She fed me recipes, but really, she was working that day. She had to work up until the day that I was cooking. But bacon-wrapped turkey, some stuffing, not my mom's stuffing. Velvet Mom still makes the best stuffing. I burnt mine, but I needed my stuffing fix. That's all there is to it. And I got it. So we had a lovely Thanksgiving. Going to decorate the tree and you should do the same. This is this is a wonderful, perfect holiday episode to do it. It's not really a holiday episode, but it is ushering in the holidays. Put this on, decorate your tree, wrestle some holiday lights, untangle them, and hopefully you can have as wonderful a holiday season that I, Velvet Tom, am looking forward to. I am going to have a great, I'm going to have a great one no matter what. The, come on, I. no one needs to say 
what they're thinking or feeling about 21. 2020, I mean. It, it can suck it. It can totally, totally suck it. All right, fans. Keep listening. This episode is, it's an episode, is what it is. So keep listening to this wonderful conversation with my buddy, Matt Forbes. Yeah, right. Joe's one of my good neighbors. He's great. Yeah, there you go. Love Joe. Yeah, Joe. He's one of the first people I met. Uh, one of the first because he knew Adrian, and that's when I first uh, started coming into Dresden was in 2013, and that's how it all worked out. Okay, so 2013, that's when you started coming into the Dresden. Yes, I was a young, impressionable boy from Canada deciding, uh, hey, I should, I sh-. well, here's the thing, is that I would come into the Dresden, I'd swing in with uh, my buddies who lived uh, also on Russell in Las Vegas. <laughs> i tell you um, what, my buddies lived on that street. We're giving away trade secrets here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I would come in and admire Martin Lane and just the, you know, the throwback and, you know, the swingers factor. I mean, it was... Just to go there as, as young 20-somethings, it was, you know, it's a scene. It's, it's, yeah. uh, and I didn't know, I'm sure I, I noticed at the time that people would go up and sing with them, but that that's not where my mind was at all in 2011, 2012, when I was going in there socially. And then um, I just started uh, sitting in with, with groups, um, you know, friends who were musicians, um, around that time, spring 2013, because I, I hadn't really had much of an outlet to sing. I'd been doing a lot of voiceover and auditioning for like film and TV stuff. And that was all tickety, but, but I've been missing out on the music. So I found out much the same way that I'm sure you did too, that there was an open mic on Tuesdays at the Dresden. <laughs> and I went with my buddy, um, Ethan. And uh, yeah, it kind of began the whole thing. I got up for a few tunes, as you do. And it's intimidating, and uh, but fun. And Marty, you know, after the uh, the set of two or three that I did, he came up to me at the break and he said, uh, "You know, you're, you're pretty good, kid. You should come back. Come back tomorrow." And of course, it was like Wednesdays. Like, uh, isn't that like? And I knew enough that there was a featured singer night. He said, "Don't you have a?" He said, oh, "No, it doesn't matter. Come back tomorrow. We'll do some tunes." And then you come back Wednesday, come back Thursday, Thursday. And then it just kind of, uh, as you know, it continues. If they take a shining to you, which luckily they, uh, they did, um, they, they just keep inviting you back, which was yeah. a thrill. I love that. I loved Yeah, I mean, the, the first night I went in there, I did not know that there was an open mic. You know, I thought it was just Marty and Elaine. I right. got there a few times always walked by the place. Uh, I right. started living in the neighborhood probably about 2012, 2013. Okay, yeah. So that's when I had mo- more access to them. Right. I don't recall if I ever heard you sing prior mm. to me just coming in there regularly. But yeah. but I remember just hanging out. It was usually a weekend. So, I mean, Tuesday that's night, it. That's school, it. I probably wouldn't have gone in there. No, no, it's not obvious until you know about it and uh i don't know you started when did you you started coming in for open mic and everything that you were a little later you were like more 2016 17 maybe 17 yeah my my long friend my long time friend scott who's lived in the neighborhood for like 25 years 
Right. He put me up to it. He was like, put on the velvet. I'll pretend I'm your manager. I'll talk to Marky. Yeah, yeah. And we'll work it out. And, right. and I did good, you know? I mean, I sang about three that night and then yeah. totally biffed it on that slide. <laughs> and then he was like, learn the lyrics, but come back Friday. <laughs> no, 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 that's totally it. That's, but it's so funny because God bless them. And I guess they're doing well. Um, through this COVID thing, they're, they're, you know, Marty had a few setbacks as we know, but he, uh, we, you probably saw that video on Facebook of them rehearsing with Vince and, uh, you know, like it was just any other weeknight. So it's nice to see that they're, um, they're trucking on and God willing, we'll, uh, we'll all be back doing it, you know, sometime next year. But Oh my God, in a new old looking space. I can't wait. To yeah, it looks, it looks kind of swanky. I kind of, I, I kind of dig what they're doing. It's I did different, like but what it, they were did on the, the sort of the leather on the front of the bar, unless that is yeah, yeah, tying together with the uh, the green floors. I think it's a I think it's an inspired choice, tone on tone. I think is what they call it. <laughs> I haven't seen the floors yet. The floors are finished. Yeah, I think they've rebuffed, painted, and polished the floors. They look um, PB. Wow. Our friend Patrick Barnett, who I believe was a, a guest just the other week. Um, he um he was in there jimmy he ran into jimmy ferraro the owner and got a little sneak peek and he said it looks really fantastic the uh, the new bar top and uh and the floors um uh, both in the dining room and lounge so i'm, I'm eager to see how it all yeah came together. you know silver lining that they got to go back in and uh you know renovate but also restore some things that maybe were getting a little you know well worn uh, you know what, if anything is about this year is restoration, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well said, yes. Yes, I think so. Uh, um, yeah, that pipe burst may have been a blessing in disguise. I mean, I think so. Yet, well, and it's great, too. I was talking to Mark, the son, Jimmy's son, and uh, uh, for the folks at home <laughs> who, uh, who may not know, <laughs> we're all at home. But the, uh, I guess the insurance covered because it's a historic site. I was concerned, you know, with some of the wallpaper, especially like the foiled wallpaper in the back. I guess they, they custom replicated that. We're able to, um, you know, basically put up an identical facsimile. So it, uh, which is good to hear because you always worry, you know, when, when pipes burst, you know, are they going to haggle you over, especially some of those things that um, are harder to come by certainly now. And uh, I mm -hmm. guess... It was the money was there to uh, do a complete replica and the gold foil and everything else, which is pretty pretty great. I was concerned about those kind of things, but uh, looks like uh, they were in good stead. Wow! Yeah, That's amazing. That's so good. Well, yeah. I miss it. I know you do too. <laughs> oh man, I do. I really do. Well, I mean, I tell you what, Daphne misses it. My wife, like she's. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, she's. Yeah. she's she is totally settled into working from home and <laughs> hermit, you know, hermit. I mean, she'll go weeks without even going outdoors, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. No, it's strange. Yeah. One thing that we do miss, I mean, we're saving a lot of money. We're saving to hopefully buy a house. I can't imagine here. I mean, just <laughs> if so, we'd be living in Encinitas or some. You know, <laughs> one of the Covinas. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, she she really misses it, and she really I mean she really misses hearing me sing. So that's the and missing the group. Yeah, 
and the hang and uh well hey. i was talking to to pat about this too we have um uh, we're lucky we have a, a quaint little gig coming up in north san diego in a couple of weeks and um you don't realize how much of a gift the marty and elaine dresden um vocal workout is you know like i was i always joke to friends uh <laughs> that it was kind of uh it was like singer's endurance training. It was like going to the gym, you know, especially you could kind of make the Dresden and the whole Marty Lane experience. Um, you could really make it work for you. And, and it would be kind of a, uh, a place to work your craft and flex your, you know, work those muscles in terms of you know, good crowds, bad crowds, light crowds, um, but also just singing for three or four hours a night. And, uh, you know, I've been singing at home and whatnot, but it's 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 a different uh, kind of warm up back into things um, mm -hmm. when you don't have that that uh, that gym at your disposal. You know, it it really was and is um, a gift to to have Martin Lane there, and, it sure and is. so that when you do your own shows outside of the Dresden, you know, it was kind of like, yeah, this is no big deal. You know, you do your warm ups and everything, but you're so warmed up from just playing to so many types of crowds and uh and kind of uh and, and they're the first to say it martin lane too the the fact that the sound varies night to night on the on the the, you know, the pa system and uh the piano's tuning is sometimes a little sketch so you're working against all these things um that ultimately i think make you a better performer because you're kind of going well you know you can pretty much throw <laughs> <laughs> right. throw anything at me and I'll, I'll bounce. Um, and I'm sure you've experienced that too. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, really it is. It's like the gym, but, uh, all the other gym members are throwing stuff at you while you're out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. no, I mean, I love the fans, but I mean, it's just like yeah. it's a place it's naturally noisy. You know, you got that one person. So the mic's right there around. The <laughs> you got that one person that just sits right in front of you. So your crotch is in their face. And you 100%, try to make yeah. it the, the most enjoyable experience possible yeah, yeah. for them without making them feel like you're singing over them. Oh, totally. And they're admiring your low rise jeans and everything. It's, it's quite, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, you get a few, you get a experience. few old ladies up there that want to touch the velvet. And it's like, <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, if you must, yeah. Your yeah. Permission. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The ego and everything else gets a little stroking up there, but the, um, but no, it, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty great. It's been a very special thing for the past, I guess, for me, uh, nearly seven years. I mean, we've we've obviously had a bit of a hiatus this year, but, um, um, yeah, it's it it teaches you a lot, you know, even for a couple of old pros like you and I, a couple of old timers. Um, it really does uh, um, teach you how to work many different audiences. And, and um, going back to that old adage that uh, you really can't blame the audience. I mean, no question there are better audiences than others, but, but uh, it's, you do it enough up there and you quickly realize, no, you're really, it's up to you. It's up to you to kind of read the room and readjust and either not push or, or maybe you do have to, you know, <laughs> you go, do. go into Liza with a Z and really sell it. You pardon, um, pardon me, just to scoot the, scoot the chair in a little bit. No, well, totally. You know, uh, I, uh, I, I have certainly, being there and watch out, compliment coming, but oh, geez. You, you have, Singer's Row have made me a better singer, I think. I, 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 oh, and likewise. I likewise. think that, I think that I, 
saw improvement. But when I first was in there, I was I was rusty. Well, and I want to know, did you experience the same rust when you first started going there? Or what was your establishment? Like, how many albums had you cut before walking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. Here's the funny thing. I'll give you a quick elevator ride backstory that kind of led to the moment of doing the Dresden and recording everything is that I, I'd always loved this music. And I'm sort of not unlike yourself, drawn to it, kind of an old soul and loved mm -hmm. that whole era. Um, but was actually spending most of my time, especially when I uh, graduated, I went to NYU Tisch for drama, but I, I spent some time in Chicago doing Second City and doing a lot of sketch, improv mm -hmm. and, and uh, writing. Um, so when I moved out um, to LA with um, one of my writing partners, that's kind of what I was focused on. It was pitching and developing a lot of um, sitcom pilots and presentations and and uh, you know dabbling in groundlings and some other things like that so that was very much where my head was at still very much inter interested in the music but not really having an outlet and in fact my management at the time very good management um <laughs> uh, suggested i hide the fact that i could sing they really didn't see it as uh something commercially viable um they saw it as kind of a um, really Oh yeah, 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 no, some very big managers, they said, you know, that's great, but we hide that fact. So I, but, but I kind of thought, well, no, this is, I'm, I'm doing uh, acting and voiceover and, and was having, you know, a, a nice uh, modicum of success with it. And, uh, but I, you know, fast forward two or three years, um, you know, you're still auditioning and, and pitching things, but um, that other, side of me that the musical side was like I need an outlet so I just started sitting in with these groups and that's what obviously brought me to the Dresden for open mic um, but I hadn't recorded I think I recorded maybe three or four demos you know kind of Sinatra style demos uh -huh. which um, had kind of been circulating and a lot of music people record industry people were like hey you should really maybe you know steer into this lane a bit and I was like oh that's <laughs> <laughs> totally not the advice I've been given the last four or five <laughs> years. Um, but um, so I, I kind of, at that point, uh, I think once I got into the Dresden rhythm, um, where I'd show up sometimes up to four nights a week, um, and there were a couple other singers at that time. Phil, I don't know if you know British Phil, Prichard, he was there, and, and of course Pat Barnett and Adrian. Um, it was quite a happening time. So I was in there quite a bit um, <laughs> working on my craft, learning a lot of songs too, because that's the one thing you go in there knowing certainly a lot of songs as I'm sure you did. Yeah. Um, but then they kind of encourage you to step outside of your comfort zone and Hey, why don't you try this one that you might know in passing, but you might not have actually taken the time to learn it. So there was a lot of that going on. And I was also, um, those singing demos got me in front of um, Seth MacFarlane's band leader, Ron Jones, who composed for Family Guy and American Dad. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of fortuitous enough that Seth was getting really busy with his film work, that he wasn't singing with the jazz orchestra that he had kind of started with Ron all that much. So Ron said, hey, you're kind of Seth-like. Why don't you come sit in while Seth is away <laughs> as our guest, <clears throat> you know, where you get to do four, you know, three or four songs. And uh, so I jumped at that. And then through that, I got to meet all these amazing session musicians who worked not only on Family Guy, but every other 
you know, big record in town. And uh, so that was kind of end of 2013, beginning of 2014. And um, I decided, hey, we should, uh, I should maybe try cutting something. And I thought the, more, the most manageable thing would be to do like a four song Christmas album. So we cut one in July, 2014 with, with cherry picking some of Seth's players and, and that kind of kick-started off the recording and uh and all that and by that point too i think i was firmly not giving up on acting but firmly was was focused on uh, the music and the vintage pop and um and at that point um going back to your original question the rust that was there and the uh i, I by the time i was recording that in 2014 yeah. i firmly established my dresden sea legs and uh, <laughs> and it probably had you know, done up to a hundred songs with them, different songs. And, and from that, of course, as you know, you kind of, there are about 25, 30 that really work for the room and work for you and, yeah. and that they like playing too. Um, yeah. Because as you know, you'd bring in some songs, standards, not even radical stuff. And they kind of go, yeah, we really don't want to play, uh, play that one. And it might be like a well-known Sinatra song, but they just hate it. So that was kind of interesting <laughs> to me. It's and you know, I, insight, yeah. really. Yeah, I mean, did you find that when you first came in? I mean, I, I found I was a little, I was definitely rusty from just, I, like you, you know, I performed on stage, like this, but, but that room isn't really a stage. The audience is around you. You're, uh, you're kind of in the, you know, in the bull pit. So it, uh, that, that takes some adjusting and even just learning how to play, to, to all sides and, and find the dynamic within the band too, you know? Uh, yeah, there's always usually a different bass player. <laughs> there's, mm -hmm. um, oh yeah, totally, yeah. I'm trying to, uh, trying to recall an instance where they waved off a song. I mean, everything that I've picked, I mean, of course, uh, you know, this was one of my goals during COVID was to learn <laughs> American songbook. And, and right. that's, gone, that's gone great. That's <laughs> uh, so, a nice deep dive over the last. So I will days. walk into the Dresden next time, knowing exactly the same number of songs. <laughs> well, that we'd be lucky to remember too. I mean, it becomes muscle memory, and you—that's the one thing of rehearsing for this show. I mean, I, I know the lyrics, but in terms of the moves and kind of just getting into the the groove of things, yeah. I don't doubt that once you're there with a band, it, it'll all come back like riding a bike, but it, it does feel a little uh, instantly, a little foreign right now. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, it does, because now it's just weird gigs that I'm doing, you know, like <laughs> Tom hosted a political rally, and then I did, I did a backyard birthday party where I sang, oh my God. Where, I, where I did, um, oh, where I did Sway, so, you know, had a track. Really? Had a track, oh had a little uh, setup, and so yeah. I did sang that and then I made them all sing happy birthday to her and, <laughs> and I grabbed my mic and I was out of there like I just because they had a mariachi band coming in so I was, oh my god like, I'm not wow. the only entertainment I am just the that's I, a lot of variety though velvet was, tom and then a mariachi band that's I like it though I think that's the kind of stay just to see the mariachi band <laughs> you could sit in for a couple songs I think I think they'd, they'd welcome you frankly I almost negotiated that. I was just like, well, Sway, <laughs> they know Sway, and we could do Sway with the mariachi band. It would sound beautiful. I think it'd be fantastic, actually, yeah. I took my whole, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you know, hold on. Um, 
So, what's going on? Hold on. I'm not going to edit out this part, but so, yeah, so, so Thaphne got me like an old timey mic. It's a, oh, it's that's a fantastic. Rehab. It's a rehab yeah. one. That's and great. It, works, it sounds great. It's kind of got like an Elvis echo to it. Yeah, it's like the the fifty five, the super fifty five. Yeah, is that is exactly it. And for the folks at home, tell tell them what a fifty five is, Tom. What that's a uh, sure microphone. That is a sure microphone. In fact, I don't know what the fifty five is though. If it is, I think well, there's a couple of variants. I call it a fifty five, but but I think I think it was under a few. Like some call it like the fat head or something, or or because. Uh, I guess, yeah. I don't know what the name of it is. Um, I kept that card for a reason. Because <laughs> she, because, you know, my wife, who is wonderful and yes, gets- she is, the lovely Thaphne, yes. Uh, it, this microphone is one of the reasons why I wanted to do the podcast, because I was like, oh, I got a computer and a microphone. <laughs> Am I doing? I learned the American Songbook, but- uh, <laughs> Talking to my friends and doing a show is a hell of a lot more fun. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a beautiful microphone, though. I mean, that's the kind uh, that uh, we see it in this big, very popular in the uh, '60s, especially. You yeah. See it on all those Sam Cooke, Bobby Darin videos. And now they just make re. Now they just make re. Re. They make new versions of it. So new guts, same. Totally. Same thing, but uh, yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, I can't remember what my point was in showing that. <laughs> um, what was it? The mariachi band you sitting in? Oh, well, yeah. So, I mean, this is the mic. Oh, that yeah. there. There so here I am walking like the mic. I looked like, I, I'm sure I looked like a Jerry Seinfeld comedian, the movie poster. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's right. Walking across Fifth Avenue. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, iconic. Yeah. Very incredibly iconic. So... So you're also a recording artist. You've recorded a couple of albums. You've like, yeah, like an albums. Yeah, yeah. We um, the first full length one, coulda, woulda, shoulda, we did after um, the Christmas one went over. Uh, you know, there was there was some nice feedback to kind of go, yeah, we should maybe try doing a full length one of uh, these vintage pop standards. So that was the first one we did, and um, it came out at the end. of Four track Christmas thing. What 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 were the four tracks? Can you give us? Uh, we did uh, White Christmas, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, uh, okay. the Christmas Waltz, and Melikaliki Maka. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know about you, but I, I discovered as a young lad watching National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, uh, I don't, with Chevy Chase and uh, the supermodel on the diving board, and uh, oh, yeah. and, Ra and also Randy Quaid, lest we forget. But, who I think is QAnon. I think he's. <laughs> yeah, he's you know, the guy who started all of this. Oh God, yeah, it's it's sad. I think he, uh, I think Actors Equity is still coming after him for fines that he's not yet paid. <laughs> That's a whole other Did he story. Do his but... jail time? Didn't Quaid do his jail time? Uh, if I yeah. Melly Kalikimaka was in that, it totally went over my head. I used to uh, because yeah. I also lived in Chicago and did some right. the ness you know i mean i didn't really work with the second city until las vegas but right right I did the whole i did the whole gambit the whole uh the whole training center were you did you yeah did you start with the training center in chicago did the training center in chicago well let's see i originally did comedy sports in kansas city. oh okay very cool yeah yeah 
already had a little improv under my belt and did Chicago comedy sports. They, they right. welcomed me as a transplant and worked with them in all sorts of different areas. But yeah, did all of those, like did IO, Annoyance, Second City. I don't know if you did like the whole gambit, but after, yeah, I, after Columbia College, I just tried to absorb as much of it after that because I went to theater school too. That's uh, amazing. Did you have um, Sheldon Patinkin? Sheldon, was, were there? Uh, he was the man. He was running the theater department. At the department time. at Columbia, yeah. Yeah, we had, um, I did this great thing, and now it's, it's I think you can get almost a, a degree out of it, but at, it was called Comedy Studies, and it was through Columbia College uh, in Chicago in the second city, and it was only like the second semester or third <laughs> semester they had actually done it. So it was very new whenever I got into it, but it was amazing because they got, you know, like the Michael Gelmans and Norm Hawley and Andy Myra oh, and them all. Uh, Mary Scruggs, God rest her soul. Um, and, and Sheldon, who of course was head of, you know, the theater department at Columbia, but he was also one of the master teachers. So we did uh, kind of this rather intense, like Monday to Friday, nine to four, um, for four months in Chicago for college credit. And it was, it was like, they, they almost said it was almost a year and a half of what you get in the training center um, in four months. So it was, and then you did a showcase on the ETC stage. It was, it was a blast. And some, some of my closest friends I met there, my writing partner, uh, Ethan, um, Rosie, um, I, I met him there and he moved out shortly after. And uh, it was great. It really, it, having done very serious acting um, at Stella Adler and uh, through NYU, Tisch, um, it was amazing to come to Chicago to realize just how serious the business of comedy was, you know, like <laughs> people <laughs> always say that. And that, sure, man. Yeah, but then you go and you go, no, this is, this is actually more serious, I think, and, um, and definitely harder in, in many ways. And, and this is for someone who, you know, like yourself, naturally a ham and drawn to all that, you know, impersonations and sketch. And, and I still love all that, but uh, it was invaluable training. I, I really love my time there. Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't think I realized how important my theater training at Columbia College was until after I graduated, you know. I think, I think that's it, the case, yeah. I took it a lot for granted while I was there, but, but the more improv classes I took, the more the stuff that I learned at Columbia College yeah. applied. And, you yeah. know, it's, and, and the stuff we used to do at comedy sports. I mean, it was just sort of, that was free. That was just free theater classes there. Yes. Because we didn't get paid much for it. And that's okay. <laughs> I mean, that's just, but that's you just, learned a lot, I'm sure. I mean, it uh, would be. But to get paid for comedy, I'm very grateful to be as young as I was and to yeah. get paid to do that and sometimes it was livable someday you know it definitely kept lights on and you know gas yeah. um yeah yeah but i uh i didn't really appreciate columbia college until uh, until much much later yeah i i have to say it was the same for me with um the stella adler studio which which of course you go there as freshmen you're like 18 19 not even you're like maybe 17, 18 in some yeah. cases. And, you know, you have these wonderful teachers on the whole, but, but who have lived a life and, and they, you know, <laughs> first week you're doing scenes from the Scottish play and they go, where's the rage? And you go, you know, I'm 18. I had a, a nice mild mannered upbringing in Canada. I have no rage. Ask me again in 10 years. 
now I could do it. Now I could do it. But the, um, uh, but I found coming out of that program, which was very intense and, and kind of abstract, you know, especially at that age where these, these things that really, they always said that the mantra at Adler was growth as an actor is synonymous with growth as a human being, which I, I actually believe to be true, you know, at, at its, at its most pure. Um, but, but they'd always talk about, Oh, living in the moment and, and, prepare, prepare, but then let go. All, all these kind of things that at 18, 19, you think you understand, but it's not until I was 26, 27, um, even now that, that you really go, ah, I get it. And, and isn't it true? You know, especially I find in, I mean, not just acting, but I find the music, it's really ringing true in terms of, uh, I really look at picking songs, especially ones I'm gonna record as, as casting. Um, which which might seem, I don't know, a little cold or calculated, but if you look at, especially the Great American Songbook, where those songs tell such great stories, and they are, uh, do require acting on some level. I mean, a lot of style, certainly, but but acting. Um, you, you look at a song, and you go, can I, can I, is this believable coming out of my mouth, you know? Um, and it's been very helpful, and, and I, I've talked to Pat and some other um, singer friends who are also have the acting background and, and they all kind of have come to the same conclusion that it's like, yeah, no, it, just because Sinatra or Bobby Darin or Tony Bennett sang that song and you like the song doesn't necessarily mean it's good for you or, or, or even you're ready for it right now, you know, um, it's, uh, which, which has been kind of a cool learning uh, curve in and of itself. Well, most of those songs had a story written around them anyway. Right, so, yeah, a lot of them are show tunes, so. Yeah, you know, most of them are show tunes. You know what, it was just, uh, I was harking back, I remember when Frank Sinatra died and AMC Theater did, AMC, uh, the AMC Movie Channel. Movie Channel, yeah. Did, did a huge, uh, uh, what do you do? Uh, they did a huge memorial, so they just showed all Frank Sinatra movies. Yes, yes. And, you know, I've probably been listening to a lot of that stuff before he passed, but Tender Trap was oh, yeah, a yeah. song that stuck to me, you know, I mean, and just the way he knocked it out, just the way oh, yeah. he told it. So I was sitting there and I, you know, watching the movie Tender, and then the song just starts out of nowhere and yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just instant context because here yeah. he is singing to his dumb brother about yeah this what are you kidding you're in what do you mean you're in love don't be in love <laughs> yeah yeah no exactly it's the perfect uh well you know the jumping off point everything's there i mean it's in the song too but then you see it in context and you go oh this, this is the song you know you can interpret it many ways not unlike an actor but it's it's uh yeah it's kind of like this is the story yeah Make of it what you will. Yeah. I know. I mean, and you, I, yeah, and you have to. You have to make it your own. Yeah. But when you see, when you see that context, and that, if I recall, was the only song in the movie, and then it was just, just <laughs> sort of. Yeah. No. And of course, sixties swinger pillow talk esque type of. Yeah. 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 No. It. Um, but it, it's incredible. I mean, you watch. Um, I remember doing. Um, guys and dolls in high school and seeing uh the movie you know of course with brando and sinatra and sinatra you know sinatra probably should have been cast in the in the sky masters in the brando part um 
because he wasn't really innate in Detroit. When you think about the the great <clears throat> kind of character actors who played that role on stage from, yeah. you know, more recently Nathan Lane to the Oliver Platts or Sam Levine, the original, it's, it's a very like New Yorkese, Lower East Side. Um, um, I think, he, I mean, Frank Lester himself said he's kind of this Jewish mobster, you know, and of course Frank is, is <laughs> very, I mean, he's, he's got the, I guess maybe a little mafiosi, but it's not that. So it, uh, whereas Sky Masterson very much had that, but seeing the movie, um, and, and then hearing his version of Luck Be a Lady and everything else, you just kind of go, oh, that's, it's, it, I don't know, I would have been in 10th grade at the time, but I, the whole thing just spoke to me. I, I, I think, in fact, Luck Be a Lady was the first Sinatra song I think I ever heard, thanks to Mrs. Doubtfire, that scene where he's getting all made up. And something about the horns and the lyric and the swag and just, and I think too, even then I, I could sing along. Frank Sinatra was one of the few uh, people you'd hear coming out of the speakers that I could actually sing along with and not strain my voice. So I kind of thought uh, I should I should listen to more of this because I certainly wasn't able to sing along to Savage Garden or NSYNC or any of the, those other people. You know, like we, it's always interesting. People ask, you know, how, what got you into this? And, and sometimes it's I mean, I love the sound. Um, and uh, and my parents played a lot of jazz, a lot of Billie Holiday and um and, and Sinatra but uh but I could mimic him too and I think you know that's that's how it starts for so many of us whether you're an actor or singer it's it starts with that uh, mimicry and emulation then you you kind of innovate hopefully <laughs> in uh in the latter phases I I want to come back to your voice but my first recollection of I think maybe I kind of had heard him on the radio, but didn't put a connection together. But I remember yeah. 11 years old, I was watching an Elvis Presley documentary. Okay. And they did, and, uh, and they did the Love Me Tender witchcraft, witchcraft. Uh, medley together. And I, was, and I was like, who's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. I was like, I knew who Elvis Presley was. But yeah, but sure Frank Sinatra was yet, and that was the first example, like that medley thing, mashups yeah. and medleys. Love them. I'm sure you're a huge fan too. Oh, but. they're incredible. I especially like. I'm sure you've seen them, but the ones that Frank did, like in the early '70s with Dean Martin, you know, yeah. where they're just it's like eight minutes of every standard, but they're kind of like it's a little tongue in cheek. They're kind of not. They're right in the surface. They have the glint in the eye, which I loved. I love the fact that it was like, well, it's like all those variety shows from that era, from the 60s and early 70s, where it felt like everyone in showbiz knew each other. And they probably did for the most part. It was a smaller business. And, well, yeah. and they all kind of worked in the pictures together. You know, everyone was doing a picture and, and either worked for a studio um, or ran a studio. It, it just kind of... Uh, and you'd see that on Carson, like, and I know you appreciate this too. You, um, and there are certain people like uh, Martin Short and Steve Martin and, and Paul Schaefer who really love show business in the way that it, it, it should be loved, you know, mm -hmm. all the razzmatazz and kind of the artifice and the, I don't know, the, the dripping sincerity or faux sincerity. I, um, I love that whole era, you know, uh -huh. and the, and the, sophistication and, and the glamour and it certainly wasn't perfect and it's 
I don't know that it's ever been equitable, but um, it, it did seem really cool. <laughs> it's something that you'd love to be a part of, you know? Total faux sincerity. You put it just perfectly. It is, it was that. I mean, especially yeah. like watching the Dean Martin celebrity yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just the forced laughter at just at being ultimately offended. Uh, okay, yeah. so your voice, you know, I could probably compare it to like, I could probably combine it because <laughs> you do, you got this really just nice, full chested, uh, deep throat, deep voice. I mean, I love it. Just you hit everything beautifully and wonderfully, but who do you think you sound like? Do you make that comparison? If not, you, you can wave it off. <laughs> I have well, my you know, ideas. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd be interested to hear them because I, you know, I, admittedly, I, I grew up listening to a lot of Sinatra. I, I loved Sinatra at the Sands, you know, well, most kids were outside playing um, basketball and, you know, I was up in my attic bedroom singing along to fly me to the moon or something. And crazy. Um, yeah. I mean, really. so I've always been that like old soul, um, you know, and, and it worked for me, you know, people, a uh, nerd, I guess a bit, but, but because I was also in the theater and everything, it, I never felt like I was, I was maybe out of step with my peers, but it never felt, um, uh, alienating in a way like I, I I was cool on my own terms which I think helped <laughs> I at least believe myself to be cool on my own terms but I uh, so I listened to a lot of Frank and a lot of um, Dean Martin was also a huge hero and and Harry Connick Jr. sprinkled in there Bobby Darren I, I really always identified with in uh, just kind of his approach to a song and, and obviously there'd be no Bobby Darren with a Sinatra and there'd be no Sinatra with Bing Crosby who I also loved I loved you know the seeing him and Hope in the road pictures like Road to Morocco yeah. and, uh, um, so I, I, I mimic a lot of those guys Bing Crosby included you know swinging on a star um, and I it's probably started around five or six because I, I as much as I love Sinatra I love those old black and white Fleischer cartoons the Popeyes and the Betty Boops me too. Um, that would use a lot of those um, New York jazz musicians like Cat Calloway and um, uh, Louis Armstrong. I think even Ethel Merman was in one or two of them. <laughs> um, but they had that really great 30s jazz sound, which um, um, I loved. Um, and um, Oh, yeah. Everything was a, just like the RPM was just a little speed yeah. up. Like, yeah, oh, just a little. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And everything's just kind of rubber hosing. Yeah. Um, so I think all those influences, um, no doubt, helped me arrive at the sound. I mean, I've always had this low voice, and people always joke I get it from my mother because she has that B. Arthur kind of baritone. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. They'd call up the house and they go, Mr. Forbes, and go, no, no, it's, it's Carla. And then, <laughs> oh. Um, we would sing, mom and I in high school, we'd uh, walk the line came out in the soundtrack, Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash soundtrack would come out. We would sing Jackson and uh, she would take Johnny's part and I'd have to be June. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I can't really pinpoint, um, I, I don't know if I sound like any one of them. I think depending on the song, maybe um, there's little hints of, um, this or that, 
um, which is kind of nice. I think that's probably true of everyone. You're kind of standing on the shoulders and, and stealing little bits that um, um, become your own style. But um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of art is theft. And <laughs> yeah, it is. And especially these days, you know, I mean, there's just so much derivative bullshit being made, you know, just they even took yeah. Jagged Little Pill, they took Alanis Morissette's album Jagged Little Pill and yeah. then built a musical around it. And I was like, oh, well, great. You already have a soundtrack here that's 20 some years old. Let's write it dumb. I mean, the show could be fabulous, but what I saw on the Thanksgiving parade last night was. I know. I know. You just go, oh. No yeah. bueno. So, I mean, yeah, I understand that. I understand the, you know, the. Uh, I know that there's probably, I've even probably told you, there's phrasing that I will, that I will borrow and use. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and I, I think Tony Bennett, it was either Tony quoting Ella or just Tony quoting Tony, but he said, you know, I, I tried to imitate a horn player, that way no one could tell if I was stealing, I couldn't get caught, you know, and you go, okay, that makes sense, you know, and it was actually kind of a, uh, um, um, a great approach because when you listen to Tony Bennett, early Tony Bennett, and even latter day Tony Bennett, and that's true, certainly true of Ella Fitzgerald. She did very much sound like uh, um, like a reed instrument, you know, beautiful. She did, yeah. You know, like a muted horn. Yeah, oh yeah. And uh, couldn't get caught. But of course, the influences um, are sprinkled throughout. I mean, I was having this conversation with, uh, with Smooth Pat the other day that it's like, uh, when I found out that Steve Perry, the lead singer Journey, his biggest influence was Sam Cooke. I can't listen to a Steve Perry, a particularly early Steve Perry record without hearing Sam Cooke. Like you really do hear it. And, uh, but he's absolutely Steve Perry. And he's, you know, there's no denying that, that his sound and, and what he does is, is genius too. So, you know, I think if you know what to look for or listen for, um, you can kind of hear the little bits. Oh, he's kind of doing a little, little Darren or a little Buddy Greco or whatever, whatever <laughs> it is. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I also love Matt Monroe. Matt Monroe who's kind of a forgotten singer, but he did the From Russia With Love uh -huh. title song and uh, Born Free. And, um, but I, I loved his tone, you know, I, 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 um, and some people, early on said, oh, you kind of remind me of Matt Monroe. And I thought, oh, well, that's, that's not a bad thing. Um, so it just I, uh, depends. I hear a lot of Goulet in it. <laughs> I mean, but he's- but the Chestel, he's, yeah. He's sort of rigid, you know? He doesn't really sort of let loose. No, he doesn't swing. He's very legit. But I do, he's got a, one of the, the best baritones around to this day. I mean, you listen to his legit balladeering you know his ballady stuff. It's it's pretty, pretty hard to talk. I mean that that oh. just macho, confident swag. I mean he had a lot of swag. He might not have swung, but he had a lot of swag to spare. Yeah, that. tons of swagger. With no. or without the stash. <laughs> dream the impossible dream. You know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. On a clear day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. I mean, definitely Frank Sinatra. I mean, always, yeah. always I hear it in your in your singing, and sometimes I hear it in my sleep, Matthew. Sometimes it's the way. <laughs> up in the morning. Uh, well, tell me, Todd. Tell me. Tell me for you. Who who did you? Because I I certainly hear and see things in what you're doing. I mean, you're def, 
you're definitively Val the Tom at this point, but it's always fun, especially given we, uh, we all love this, this genre and these singers so much. It's, it's fun when you can hear a little, always doing a little, little of this, a little of that, you know, who, who did you gravitate towards, you know? Dean Martin, I think I gravitated more. I mean, I yeah. definitely don't have that soupy swoop that he's had, you know, I mean, I don't have that. Uh, sure. But as far as like swagger and phrasing, I like yeah. Dean Martin's the most out of anybody. Yeah. You know, he, he yeah. seems to be, he seems to be the more, the most loose about this. I agree. Yeah. And I definitely came in loose and rusty. Like, <laughs> loose and rusty <laughs> really you know what i really had to i really had to sort of build some form to make it look loose you know i really i put a yes. lot of thought into when <laughs> i started open micing there because i yeah. you know i mean because i'm the who's the dude in the jacket is no, what totally. people's thing is and it's like well i mean if i'm going to be the dude in the jacket i gotta be yeah. able to get up there and deliver so so no absolutely you're, you brought up a really interesting point. People and people probably come up to you all the time. They come up to a lot of performers saying you make, hopefully in best case scenario, they come up and say, you make it look so easy, which is such a wonderful compliment if you're you know, lucky enough to get it. But in, inherent in that, and they always talked about this at acting school, is that it, it, it's only after you really, really work on it and rehearse and rehearse and prepare and prepare that, that it can even begin to look easy you know chances are if it looks easy up there um it's because you've <laughs> you've really um put in your you know ten thousand hours and and oh my gosh um, yes you know like it it um it's a great compliment but it's 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 anything but usually um if, and you watch those videos i watch so much of those old dean martin specials and even bobby darren who was so cool and was such, had such grace on stage in terms of being able to dance and um, uh, just command an audience. But but you know it's it's through a lot of um, blood, sweat, and tears and a lot of not so successful nights um, and performances that most of us never saw, obviously. But um, and you read about it. I mean, I I don't know about you, but I loved reading old showbiz memoirs. You know, whether it's like Jack yeah. Benny or Rex oh, Harrison or George Byrne, they're they're amazing. It's either a biography or an autobiography. No, I mean, totally. That's the two books on Sammy Davis Jr. You know, I mean. Yes, I just read one on Sammy too about his his uh, kind of his estate, trying to put his estate back together after he passed, which is fascinating and oh, wow. tragic. Yeah, um, but you read in all these books that uh, it's not easy. You know, and, and you think, yeah, they had their lucky breaks and they were certainly extremely talented, but you know, you'll get a, a chapter that uh, goes into, you know, the next 14 months I didn't work at all. And it might be like a paragraph that they talk about it, but that's 14 months of their life that, that nothing's going on. And, and, um, and it's, it's sobering, but it's also kind of encouraging in a way because you go, you know, that's just a paragraph, sometimes just a sentence in a book in a long, successful life mm -hmm. um, that you kind of go, okay, I think I'm doing okay. You know, like I might be in a, in a bit of a low spot, but it's like, this is not unique. <laughs> <laughs> and even in, in, the, in the best case scenario, this is normal. This is actually um, the way it's always been and probably always will be. It's just, um, 
it's it's a tough old business um and there are going to be high points and low points and it's finding the stuff that keeps you interested and engaged and, and kind of buoyed in that in the middle you know yeah i think um, after all this time you know I, I there's plenty there's there's plenty to anchor me so and i have you know i have an anchor in several things i have an anchor in experience because i've grown so old and so tired that most stuff is just, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Uh, <laughs> but then I also have an anchor in my wife, you know, I mean, she, yeah. she's somebody that I, I really lean on. We lean on one another. Uh, so it makes, it makes a lot of this popular, uh, more possible, but right. really uh, my, my true inspiration for all of this is Andy Kaufman doing Tony Clifton. The first time I saw that yeah. guy, I was, I was like, who's that guy? And then Bill Murray started doing Nick the Lounge Singer. So right, right. And then I used to sit and watch late night uh, old reruns of It's a Living where Sonny Man, I can't remember the that actor, <laughs> Paul, Paul something. Anyway, uh, so all of these sort of... Um, lounge Singer personas. Yeah were just thrown at me at the same time and it was like that looks like a lot of fun <laughs> which well, I, I was trying to do a lounge act i used to do a show choir in high school and i tried yeah. to turn my choir director into can I, do a, can I just do like a lounge it's like no <laughs> yeah 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 well it's so funny because i like the it's such a great it's such a great world to to immerse yourself in, certainly, you know, in its own time. Like, and I think that's probably why you get such a, a thrill as do I out of hanging with Marty and Elaine is that they're legitimately people who, who cut their teeth in those lounges. You know, like the, the amazing thing about the Dresden in Hollywood is that it, it doesn't even exist in Las Vegas anymore. That, that, yeah. that kind of lounge, that kind of entertainment, there are some lounges, but, but, the fact that they, when they first started at the Dresden, I guess they were doing it six nights a week. Um, and it's only in more recent years that they cut it down to five, but that's unheard of. And, and to play from nine to one fifteen every night. Um, and it's, and, and musician friends of mine who, who live in New York and Vegas and what, uh, even out here in Palm Springs, you know, you, you go looking for those old Rat Pack-esque uh, haunts and, and you can't find them. There are a couple out here in Palm Springs, like Melvin's and um, uh, a couple restaurants, but, but in terms of actual entertainment that you can just go uh, watch, let alone be a part of like you and I get to, um, it, it's so rare. It's, it's, it's a total exception. And um, it bums me out a little bit that the documentary on Marty and Elaine fell through a few years ago, because I think it's such a a fascinating story to tell because even before they got to the Dresden in 1981, um, they spent 20 plus years working, you know, the old clubs at the Sunset Strip, Lake Tahoe, Vegas, um, Palm Springs. They would go do the clubs down in Hawaii. There's a whole <laughs> chapter to Marty Malone that, you know, some of us know little bits and pieces of, but it's, um, they knew a lot of these people that we look up to, they opened for them. Um, it's 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 pretty cool and and then for you to come full circle growing up admiring kind of the lounge act the tradition the lounge singer uh and then be playing with two 
kind of lounge les legends. Uh, it's it's just crazy. It's one of those pinch me, pinch me. Yes. Uh, yeah, seeing swingers and seeing that act, uh, you know, what little of it they showed, you know, was the highlight of of their act. The, you know, yeah. at least the the ones that people come to see. It I didn't it didn't even really occur to me, but there they were they were a later inspiration. Seeing that the lounge act was still alive in 1990. <laughs> And, no, and, yeah. and and it helped embody it helped embody the whole Velvet Tom thing. So I I get yeah. it. Just watching Marty and Elaine on screen propelled propelled me to do that. Absolutely. Well, it's funny. I when I was in high school, with maybe senior year, uh, it was around the time Will Ferrell was was doing the Goulet character on SNL. You know mm -hmm. the very lounge singer would come out on cone and just where's george gobel george gobel you know it just uh, <laughs> diane cannon she's got a shape to her um and and of course you don't know who these people are but but you know i went and looked them up and and uh it's all old showbiz but i not unlike yourself <laughs> they were doing an awards night for the school and because i was you know mr theater guy they were going to ask me to host it but i was like can i host it as kind of a boozy Will Ferrell, Bob Goulet. <laughs> and they're like, all right. <laughs> you know, I, don't think, I don't think they really knew what they were signing on for. <laughs> and it was, I'll send you the photo, but it looks, it, it could be Velvet Tom in a way because it was this, you know, the, the red velvet thing and the mustache and the, and the aviators and the, and with the martini the whole night, just kind of making all these old, you know, Freddie de Cordova references that probably I didn't even understand the full, you know. Freddie, look me once in a while. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Totally. <laughs> and, um, uh, Peter Lazzelli. Um, but the, um, but I loved it, you know, and I think unbeknownst to me at the time, it, it was feeding that whole love and, and also um, interest in, in this kind of forgotten um, but beloved era of showbiz that uh you know clearly we both <laughs> want to be a part of and in our you know, in a new way yeah yeah even if it's going back in time and just being part of the <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. did you see ryan o'neill and fair <laughs> <laughs> george Papard. <laughs> george Papard. i was over at jimmy garner's house last night <laughs> yeah 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 no, it's, um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And I, uh, the good news is that it looks like we have uh, several good vaccine candidates. And, you know, maybe by summer we'll, we'll be creeping back in there for some I celebrating. Hope so. yeah. well, I, uh, I, I have more hope now, but, you know, it's like. I know. <laughs> it's tough. Still a few weeks. <laughs> I know. I think if we can or get no, to. I know if we can just get to January, I think we'll all feel a little better about all of it. It's just been it's been an eternal <laughs> eight months since uh, this all shut down. It ha it has it. What's uh, what's weird is that you know this first year of marriage has gone by like that. And like that yeah yeah because you know the thirty first will be our wedding anniversary. <laughs> That's <laughs> right, and we were just watching that on 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 the stream. It's it's crazy how quickly it, it has gone it, by. So being married has made this year gone by fast, but it hasn't. 
it hasn't it hasn't made a great but <laughs> nothing good no but you know what if you can survive this you know they always joke you know if you can survive the first year of marriage but if you can survive this first year of marriage i mean good goodness i mean it's those are deep roots because I, you know i i know a lot of consciously coupled maybe not even married but consciously coupled uh, friends of mine who uh you know are, are having a rough go <laughs> you know oh wow we just moved in together and and it's you know there's no buffer you know especially when we were at this first two or three months where it was really locked down it was uh it was tricky but uh no i think i think brighter times ahead <laughs> And I think we'll appreciate the the freedoms and the buffers and, and everything in between um, all the more as a result. I, I Hopefully we'll come out a little more enlightened, you know, a little more grateful. Uh, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that, uh, I hope w that whatever contempt has built up over the last <laughs> couple of no. decades, we can, we can yeah. all, we can all, Unpucker and <laughs> that's just it. Here, I'm going to close this blind. I'll tell you this: this desert sun, as you well know, let that sunshine in. I tell you what, we've been looking at property out there. We're thinking about we're thinking if not Palm Springs, think about all the way going to Vegas. I lived there for a couple of years, so and I really didn't mind it. In fact, I had too much fun there. But uh, yeah, listen, it's beautiful. I mean, there are worse places, especially if you have to. Uh, Love the you know, there are some businesses that are just going to start having people work from home um, as part of the business model. And I think that will change how people, you know, w where they decide to live. And, and uh, you know, I think people would be much rather uh, putting money into a mortgage, you know, their own equity than uh, paying some <laughs> stranger landlord um, in, in, in Los Angeles, certainly. Like, I, I have quite a few friends who are looking out here, actually, so. Oh. surprise me uh yeah we're we've seen a couple of things out there that we that we like so yeah. oh. it's beautiful hello neighbor uh <laughs> meet you down at the uh the old polo club <laughs> uh yeah the polo club or melvin's you sent me there we had an anniversary we had an anniversary and we went out there because yeah. uh, basically our anniversary ended up being la quinta you know we've had numerous right. conversations about how awesome that place is it is just a shangri-la of, de of desert pool living i think so yeah uh, it's beautiful out there it really is it's really nice uh so i have to ask you a question so you are yeah. recording artists people download your music people listen to your music i've seen some of the compliments that people write about i was just listening to your music you have such a beautiful voice what is it like to get complimented on on your artwork on almost a daily basis? What is that? I mean, what is it like? Oh. Strangers. And, you know, no, I'm not playing pity party. It's just that I don't have an album. And if I did, I'd probably get some pretty decent feedback. You should cut an album. To, I really do think, uh, you know, once we get out of this, you'd, you'd be right for cutting a, a record. And I'd love to point you in the right direction because it's it's all doable. As, as Because I, I, um, I mean, Pat, had a game plan but uh um he put his together and he was like oh that actually wasn't as uh arduous as as uh he once thought but um but to answer your question um listen it, it's it's uh, <laughs> um well no it's it's a gift it's a blessing i mean i uh 
you know, I, I don't remotely take it for granted. It, it is, uh, you know, I could joke and say being Canadian, you know, it's, it's hard to take a compliment and all the rest. I, I think um, it, it does feel a bit surreal at times because it's, it's so nice, A, that people listen at all because they don't have to, you know, you can serve things out there on social media and people, I think the tendency now is for people to kind of troll you and be a hater. So the fact that they're um, <laughs> choosing choosing uh, love and and uh, and being so effusive and, and generous uh, um, is is wonderful. It's 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 nice to know that this music, this particular vintage pop, these jazz standards, whatever you want to call it, um, still has such a huge audience from around the world. I mean, certainly in North America, but. Um, it's it's huge in, in the UK and Europe and, and the Latin countries especially um, they they go gaga for this stuff and um, I think we can thank people like Sinatra and even Michael Bublé um, for for really making that happen um, um, that 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 love affair with the, this music has never really gone away um, but no people people are I'm I'm constantly blown away um humbled by by uh, the kindness from from total strangers and and the comments and the messages i get um uh are, are lovely no i it, it it's nice to know especially as you know as you put this stuff out the record industry's changed so much too i guess this is the other thing that in the absence of maybe <laughs> making uh, money, a lot of money on uh, off of music at this particular juncture, um, the way streaming has gone. It is nice to know that uh, the enthusiasm and uh, the fanfare is, is every bit as strong, um, uh, which, which certainly helps make up for the fact that maybe you're not, uh, you're just kind of breaking even on some of these things. And, uh, but you know, it's, it's, I, I recognize too, it's still early days and, and hopefully, uh, once we get out of this pandemic, we can start touring a little bit and getting out to some, yeah. uh, some more exotic places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, it, it, uh, it's a lovely thing, Tom. It's, uh, I imagine. People, people are very kind. And, uh, and I, I think, too, it's a good reminder, because you know how it is social media. You can get very jaded even when things are going well just because it's all likes and, and everything's quantified. It's like, oh, I only got this many likes for this post and and you know you try not to be that way but but the nature of its design you you kind of you're constantly comparing oh this didn't perform as well but you know meanwhile the people are saying the, the loveliest things and they're listening to the music and streaming it um you realize no it's it's really not about that it's 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 bigger than that and that's that's a nice thing uh, a couple of shout outs. You got to give a shout out to Michael Bublé, who is Velvet Tom's mortal enemy in life. But you know, I'm gonna go into that this time. Uh, no, we got to put it, we got to give it up to guys like Michael, Michael Bublé and Harry Connick Jr., yeah. Yeah. who helped reinvigorate the, the crooner in a time where oh, we didn't yeah. have, where it was bare. You know. No, absolutely. And what's always kind of funny about their stories, both of them, and they kind of mirror each other, is that Harry came along, obviously, his when Harry met Sally, which was just on earlier today, um, it was kind of an uphill battle trying to, especially in the late mid to late 80s, um, making this a commercial venture, this kind of music. People really didn't see it that way. 
Um, but lo and behold, this young 20-something comes on and blows up, and rightfully so. And then Michael Buble, um, it was a very tough sell, even with Paul Anka and David Foster and all these people attached. Um, they were really resistant to um, betting on someone new doing this music. You know, I think the head of Reprise at the time said, we already have Sinatra, why, sh why should we go with you? And Michael said, well, look, I'll do respect to Sinatra. He's, you know, he, he's no longer here. He's no longer with us, you know, and, and here I am, you know, I can carry the torch, which is what we all are. We're, we're torch bearers of this great uh, tradition of, of song and, um, and doing it all a little bit differently from, from the next. Um, and I think it's a beautiful thing. And, and if anything, these comments um, as, as kind of an indie artist doing this music, um, there, there's, I really do believe in abundance. There's, there's a lot of room out there for a lot of different singers doing this music and for each of us to find um, great success doing it. But it's, I, I don't know why the record labels um, are continually resistant to it because there have been so many proofs of concept that it works and that there's a huge demand globally um, for these songs. So um, I, th I think they're, they're cracking wise to it now, but, um, but it's funny that some, some of the most obvious things are, are the tough sells. <laughs> uh, I, I wonder how they're going to do it here. You know, I, I'm yeah. interested, you know, who is, who is recording the first COVID, the first COVID LP, you know, just yeah. where it's just separate musicians and then having to mix it. And really the first time you ever sing together will probably be the first time you sing it live. Well, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, you bring that up. Seth MacFarlane actually just did, he released a couple singles um, doing exactly that, where he got most of his studio band to record remotely from home and they all kind of put it together in Pro Tools. He laid, um, laid the vocal on top and, and released it as kind of um, COVID singles. Um, and it sounds great. Um, no question, I'm sure the band, especially the rhythm section, would have loved to have. Uh, played off each other in the room and, and all that. But uh, yeah, people are innovating and finding ways around it. And, and even I've, you know, I'm looking to record another batch of singles here soon. Um, oh, great. Maybe, yeah, yeah, which will be fun. And, uh, but, but again, trying to make sense of it and, you know, keeping people safe and uh, it's tricky, it's tricky. But, you know, I think we're, we'll find a workaround. You've uh, you've had uh, a great gig this week, being able to host the Seriously Sinatra station, being yeah. a DJ. Uh, how's that sausage made? I mean, you're in the midst of it. I think you got another thing to do tomorrow. Is that or yeah, you'll appear. Yeah, it um, that was a huge thrill. I mean, I've I've listened to that station forever, and um, and certainly was familiar with the playing favorites format. And for years, I kind of thought, oh, if I was ever asked to do that, what would I play? Because it's, <laughs> there's so many to choose from. Um, but it was, it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Once I kind of got my arms around it, um, it, uh, it, it kind of the flow, um, we, I think we fit something like 14 songs in the hour, which I was quite pleased with. But of course, you're trying to like weave a story that, uh, um, you know, is interesting to the listener and, and shares a personal connection to that music and also maybe gives some historical context, but without, you know, without it becoming too deep dive. Mm -hmm. um, um, 
but it was it was a lot of fun and uh yeah we managed to uh record it get in the studio and record it um maybe through two and a half three weeks ago um and uh yeah a real thrill to, to and then to intersperse a couple of my own cuts and amongst all these people yeah yeah no they encouraged it you know i wasn't uh breaking rank or anything but um yeah. Oh, yeah, I, didn't think, I figured you'd I figured you'd get a chance to play some of your own. Yeah, they kind of encourage it, especially for you know, people who were like, Who who is he? Who is he playing? Yeah. But um yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So yeah, that airs again, uh, I guess this will go up Sunday, but um yeah, Saturday is the last day. Well, and then it's on demand. People can actually get it on demand, I think, for the next two weeks through oh, Sirius good. XM. Yeah. Uh, you, you were mentioning Seth MacFarlane. Now you've, uh, you, you, you are a voice meister. You have, I think we've probably gone back and forth doing some impersonations. <laughs> yeah. And they wind up becoming just Dennis Miller by the end of the night. <laughs> Dennis Miller there, Chacha. Yeah. That's it there, babe. Yeah. Check, check. Uh. There's a reference. There's a reference everywhere. Reference. reference. <laughs> Velvet Tom is flicking his long, luxurious 80s hair. Yeah, yeah. what's left of it? What's going on there, babe? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I can't get away without throwing some voices at us. I mean. Oh, geez, yeah. Oh, can I put you on the spot? I mean, I'll do my I'll do my bad Paul Giamatti and Billy Bob Thornton person. Oh, I'd love, yeah, I'd love to just hear that. Let's, let's hear those, <laughs> please. I don't know that I've heard the Paul Giamatti. <laughs> I, I... Oh, oh, what? Oh. It's a what? Oh, a Volkswagen. <laughs> I mean, that's just <laughs> I'm yeah, no, no, hearing yeah. him what? yeah. What's going on? Ah, that's good. Oh yeah. Oh no, that's good. You have the mouth too. You got the uh, you got the the Paul Giamatti mouth. Yeah, that's that's yeah. great. I wish there was a visual so people could see that. I really wish the there full were. embodiment. They won't maybe. Yeah, you also do a bit. You do a Billy Bob. Do you? Uh, yeah, I was trying to work on it. I mean, because I had to go back and watch some Goliath episodes just to kind of get. But that's that's a fun show. Yeah. My own bit, like he was, like he was hired for a <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton doing a corporate event, and they want him to do Sling Blade, and he's negotiating it. What? What's your name, Cal? Well, Cal, you go out and tell him that I'm Billy Bob fucking Thornton, and I'm not gonna do the sling back mm, french fried potatoes that's all you're getting or ten thousand dollars dude that's a great billy i love who doesn't love billy bob thornton yeah, he's, but that's a great billy bobby that's i don't know that i've heard you do that that's that's, that's uh, i you know what it's be right in the uh, the bread basket of your wheelhouse yeah <laughs> uh you know i think it's obscure i mean who would really <laughs> because you get him on those talk shows, and he is yes, no, maybe. Yeah, he's very. Yeah. He's very dry. Yeah, especially if you get him on Canadian radio and you ask him about his film career. He, <laughs> I don't know if you saw that clip so, that went viral. He he was not having that. It's a it's it's a career, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. there and act, and let it go home and smoke some weed and do it all. <laughs> That's great, man. I love that. No, and you know what? I feel like not many people do Billy Bob. So I feel like that's one that you can kind of, like I do, uh, you know, there's some that I've, I've done, you know, like um, in the serious thing, I, I uh, we lost Sean Connery earlier this month, which was such, a, I guess, at the end of October. But um, 
I, I always loved, you know, like, it, because there's like young Sean Connery and that kind of older Sean Connery who was a little more uh, about soup questions and uh, it was more about like, he had, had food in his mouth or some <laughs> bullshit like that. You know, it was a little deeper and a little bit more, um, not quite the Indiana Jones even, where he's a little more upbeat, Junior, the dog. Um, but, uh, and then of course, there's the family guy ones, like uh, Stewie, yeah, yeah. And uh, what else? I, I haven't done voiceover in so long, but normally I'd have like my whole impressions real. I do like, <laughs> to uh, Ray Romano, Brad Garrett, um, <laughs> the other, which isn't a big stretch for me, the Garrett, but the, um, Oh, I'm trying to think. Baku Kite. I used to like doing the Baku Kite voices because okay, so he got out. You could do a bit of a Baku Kite, oh, which is more. Yeah. Younger Baku Kite's a bit more, he's a bit more plucky. Whereas yeah. the older Baku Kite gets very emotional. And he obviously is a close mark because he's not very very like You are. Harry Brown. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that stuff. I mean, I think that's. Uh, I, I don't doubt it factored into singing. You know, you, I, I'm sure if I, there's a tape of me doing a Sinatra song in high school and I listen to it and it, it doesn't sound too far off from how I sound now, but I'm like, oh, you're definitely, one of the vowels um, was definitely like a Frank vowel, you know, how it, kind of that um, mid-Atlantic thing, witchcraft, where it kind of like soften his A's, you know. Uh -huh. It's witchcraft, you know, um, but uh, yeah. Yeah, sincerest form of compliment. Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I I don't know who is the real. I mean, there's been there's so many like actor actors who are really good at impersonations. There's there's not that rich little out there. Or if if yeah. there is, it's morphed into. I know there's one uh, female singing artist that does. She was oh a, yeah yeah Ariana Grande does incredible uh, like she does Celine Dion she does some incredible um, uh, female impressions like like female singers um, she was on Fallon I was like oh my god it's shocking um, how good um, Jamie Fox is incredible too um, as an impersonator uh, yeah 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 I mean, you wouldn't. He nailed yeah. Ray Ray Charles. I mean, I was just like, like, he's incredible. Yeah, but he was on Fallon too. They were doing that Wheel of Impressions, and uh, um, Kevin Spacey. We're not supposed to speak of him, but he was one that would always, you know, he'd kind of bring out his Johnny Carson, you know, and and which almost sounded like Jack Lemon, but 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 uh, <laughs> I, I love Johnny Carson is one of my favorites, and I think we're all just doing a variation okay. on Dana Carvey's uh, a little Rich Little. I mean, Dana Carvey always said like half the impression was finding another impressionist. Like he, he got into uh, Burt Lancaster through Gorshin, you know, uh, <laughs> Frank Gorshin. And because uh, someone always kind of unlocks what it is that, uh, what makes them tick. Um, like, how do you do a Robin Williams impression? And then I saw Martin Short do it on SCTV and it's like, oh, oh, you know, it's that, oh, wonderful, oh, 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 Mr. Harry, oh, wonderful, oh, is that loop? <laughs> yeah, got the arm going up. Um, but until you kind of say, it's like, oh, of course that is the, the little key. I find that, I, I love that. I love. Uh, but it's doing the impersonation of him in the moment. Like I. Right, right. I can, I can easily say that most of my impersonations is Dana Carvey's impersonation <laughs> of 
that or you know whoever is there you know it's just the oh no absolutely absolutely and sometimes because they just they nail it you know and uh it's like yeah like I mean, kevin pollack i mean there were i guess jay moore did it too but kevin pollack really kind of tapped into christopher walken and then everyone kind of wow you know everyone kind of <laughs> based their christopher walken off of variations on kevin pollack um so it's 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 funny to see how how that how that goes. Uh, there's an actor. He does a show called Bosch. His name is Titus Wolliver. Yeah, I love love that show. Yeah. It, speaking of Pollock's podcast, he did he did uh, he did Pacino through the years. <laughs> That's just wonderful. So it was really great to see you do like different variations of Sean Connery. You know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's totally different by the time he gets to The Rock, where he's just like this suave, elderly. Uh, Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. You know, he's like this suave, but still just, you know, he's oh, a devil. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of great, but uh, yeah. Well, this Russian has been wonderful, man. I tell you, thank you so much. It's like we're hanging out in the back uh, singer's row at the Dresden. I know. Well, Classic I mean, Dresden hang. Hopefully, hopefully, once we get vaccinated and everything's fine, we can sit close to one another without <laughs> And I can see your belly. Yeah, well, totally. And uh, yeah, no, I miss those days, man. They, um, yeah, I never took them for granted. I can honestly say every time I got up, and I'm sure it was the same for you with uh, Emily, it was, uh, you knew it was something very special. So I'm, I'm, I'm no regrets, but I, I do miss it. So it'll be fun to get back uh, when it's all safe and and we're in the clear. Yeah, coming soon. Coming soon in 2021. 2021, July. <laughs> it would be an anniversary for me, really. I mean, I think I probably started singing there in July. But... Yeah, I think you were a summer kid. I feel like you, you started coming in around the same time as maybe Jesse, Jesse Goddard and Jazz, maybe. I feel like it was around that yeah. era, which I was like a summertime thing. Yeah. I thought maybe jazz probably was haunting that place a little bit before me. <laughs> Quite possible. Quite possible. Quite possible. I think I'm going to get yeah. I think I'll ask her to do this here in a couple of weeks, talk to her, find out what he's, she's going on. Seems like yeah. All over the place. Yeah, well, yeah. man, do you have anything else? Anything else you want to tell, tell me and the people? Um, I love you, Tommy. I miss you, buddy. And thanks for having me on this splendid thing. You, you, um, this is a great format for you. It's just, it's, it's, uh, like uh, it's very cozy very uh <laughs> it's like I it's like i hope i just made you feel uh, welcome to spill the beans you know yeah no it's like the stern show suddenly uh, we have deep confessionals like oh my god did i admit that yeah <laughs> you're uh disarming the guests but no i uh um hopefully we'll uh, we'll both be performing again and playing to the masses and yeah i'm looking forward to brighter days ahead my friend i can't wait i can't wait well thank you for for doing this today. Thanks for having me, sir. Another great episode. Wow. We did it. Episode 14. It's in it's in your ears. You listen to it and you can go back and listen to it again. I don't mind. Listen to it as many times as you want. Thank you for being a listener. Thanks to all the new listeners today. Thank you my Velveteers. Go visit the website velvetom.com and uh, check out my social media over there. Uh, donate to the show. You can do that through Venmo at Velvet-Tom. 
most important thanks is to my guest today, Matt Forbes. Maddie, thank you so much for taking some time today to chat with me. Miss you, love you, and not only are you a super talented some bitch, you are such a mensch. You are. You're a mensch. You know it. Ugh, I wish I were Canadian. And like the Canadian who comes down here to America and is super cool, just like my guest, Matt Forbes. Uh, thank you very much for sending some listeners my way, too. I really do appreciate that. Should a lounge act be this grateful? Aren't I supposed to just be like, I did it all myself, and you're just soaking up my son? But I can't do that. No, really. I am one of those grateful lounge acts that is blessed with every day that I get to be able to entertain you. Future episodes are going to be Dresden Folk for the time being. Hopefully to get to the pinnacle guests, Marty and Elaine Roberts. They're going to be talked about these next few episodes, so why why wouldn't we have them on at some point? So I'm going to put that out into the podverse, and hopefully we'll get something good back for that. So I, I keep on listening, folks, and if you would like to make a donation to the show, you can do so through my Venmo, at Velvet-Tom. Throw me a couple of bucks. We'll keep this show going. I would surely appreciate it. Certainly, there must be a Zoom holiday cocktail extravaganza that I can be your host from. So be thinking about that and how you can book me. Go to the website. Love you very much. Stay safe. Hey, COVID is no laughing matter. Stay away from one another. But most importantly, stay velvet. <laughs>